Welcome to the Nixon Now Podcast. I'm Jonathan Mavroidis. What were the United States' relations with Thailand during the Nixon administration? Here with us to discuss this on this edition of the Nixon Now Podcast is Kantathi Supamankan, the former foreign minister of the Kingdom of Thailand. Dr. Supamankan is a regents professor at his alma mater, the University of California, Los Angeles, a senior fellow for international relations at the Berkel Center, also at UCLA, and a director of the advisory board of the Center for Asia-Pacific Policy at the RAND Corporation. Dr. Supamankan, welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Just to kind of go into it, I heard that you got your inspiration for your career um, through um, association with President Richard Nixon. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, In fact, uh, I was a student at one time at UCLA, and um, uh, I was pursuing a um, um, pre-med education at the time. So my um, my uh, experience at UCLA had been um, very good, but UCLA um, was quite close to San Clemente, and um, I had this deep feeling um, of sympathy to um, President Nixon. Um, that was um, not long after he resigned, so I, I felt compelled to give him a message that um, um, even though he had a lot of difficulties through the Watergate um, situation um, and he had resigned and he became ill after um, his resignation, um, I wanted to convey a message that um, even a student uh, at UCLA, an undergraduate student doing biology at the time, um, was rather grateful for what um, he did uh, for Thailand, for, for U.S. relations with Thailand, as I was a student from Thailand. Um, and so I decided to try to um, get his address so that I could write to him. But it was quite difficult as a student to get the proper address, I thought, that the letter would really reach his hands. So I decided to um, uh, take the exit from the um, freeway between San Diego and Los Angeles and dropped into San Clemente and um, hunted a little bit for his residence. I knew it was Casa Pacifica in San Clemente. Um, Didn't know the exact address. So I I drove and I eventually saw this sign um, indicating that um, it was a U.S. Coast Guard station with number. And um, uh, I went up to the gate and I noticed that um, there was a telecom that I could pick up. Um, And it was rather um, scary because... That was it, Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard station and a telecom. So I, I picked that up and I said, I, I just want to um, ensure that a letter gets to uh, President Nixon and um, would be grateful if you could give me the exact mailing address that would ensure um, delivery. So the person um, asked me to wait for a few minutes and came back and gave me a proper address. So I went back and I wrote to him, um, and um, I actually kept it a secret from my, my parents. My father at the time was 
the Thai ambassador um, in London to, to the court of St. James or to the United Kingdom. I kept it a secret because I didn't want to get embarrassed um, by, by um, expecting a reply from um, President Nixon and nothing would come, I thought. So I decided, well, I'll keep it a secret and maybe nothing would happen. But what I didn't do in the letter was to um, uh, give my phone number. I thought someone might call and say thank you and that would, would have been it. But I wanted um, some evidence. Uh, and I thought maybe I would get a letter back. Um, in the letter, I indicated um, uh, my thoughts about uh, uh, U.S. policy under him towards Thailand and um, was happy about that and tried to, um, in my own small way, give some words of encouragement to someone who has um, had major challenges and, of course, um, the fall from grace, as we know. So um, weeks passed by, nothing happened, but after the end of the third week, I received a, I saw a letter um, with um, no stamp, but um, on the right-hand side, upper right-hand side of the envelope where um, normally you would have stamps, I saw a signature, and I remember being told years earlier that in the U.S., if you have become president, you get this privilege in life. Um, you don't have to put a stamp. You just have to sign your signature on the envelope. So I thought, oh, my, oh that, that must be from, from President Nixon. So I um, opened up the letter. Um, it was his signature um, at the um, upper right-hand corner of the envelope. But the letter was not from him. It was from Colonel Brennan at the time, um, his um, assistant. And Colonel Brennan thanked me for the letter and said that because I didn't include the phone number um, in my letter, they decided to write back and, and to say that um, President Nixon would like to find a mutually convenient time um, for me to visit him. And um, in fact, I was told um, also that he hadn't really seen anyone except for his close friends and relatives after his resignation. So I would have been a first from the outside to be able to visit him. So um, immediately I, um, I, I said, you know, I would be ready anytime he's ready. So we, um, we set the um, appointment up uh, a week ahead. And I thought to myself, okay, now I can tell my, my parents. So I called my parents up. My father was quite confused. I, I said, um, oh, I've been invited to visit um, President Nixon. And my father was not even thinking of that and kept on saying, Nick who? Nick who? And I said, President Nixon. And he said, the embassy, the Thai embassy in Washington couldn't have arranged that for you. I mean, it's very difficult. And I said, no, I didn't ask the embassy to do it. I... I did it myself, and he was quite shocked, but um, was quite happy about it. My mother was very happy about it, and I th thought, okay, I must bring a gift. And I thought, what would be a, an appropriate gift? I, I assume it had to be from Thailand, and I didn't have any gifts from Thailand worthy of a president in my house at the time as a student. So I thought, okay, I'd, I'd go to Thai town. 
and I eventually found a, a statue of um, a, a very traditional Thai statue. So I decided to purchase that, and then I went down to see him. Um, when I arrived, um, I was um, then um, taken into uh, an office where there were many secretaries, and I, I was standing in the middle of the office, not knowing what to expect next, and suddenly a, the doors opened, and um, President Nixon came out and walked towards me and um, greeted me as if he was like an uncle of mine. Very warm um, greetings and invited me into his office. And I saw, the first thing I saw in his office, of course, um, were the flags, so many flags. And um, I, I always, myself, was fascinated by flags, but um, I'm glad I shared that um, uh, interest for flags um, with him. So, um, and um, we talked for probably about nearly two hours. He opened up to me. He, um, he uh, shared with me his um, nervousness during the night before he met um, um, the Soviet leader, uh, Leonid Brezhnev. Um, we, we had a very um, interesting discussion from um, how many countries we have both been to in the world to serious um, policy issues. And he then said to me, please remember that life is nothing without challenges. And I thought to myself, well, that is a healthy philosophy for him to, um, to emphasize. Life is nothing without challenges because he certainly had his share of challenges. And the other thing he mentioned to me was that um, in life, you must make sure that you don't blend into the walls. And I thought that was also a good reflection of his life. He never blended into, into the walls. He always stood out. Um, and he, uh, he had his charisma. Throughout our conversation, he started bringing up his observation that um, I would be a great diplomat if I wanted to pursue that route. And um, I told him that um, I was actually um, doing pre-med, but deep inside I was interested in diplomacy. Um, but my father wanted me to pursue other paths. And throughout our conversation, he kept on coming back to say that, no, I really think you should pursue a career in diplomacy. He said that about six times during the two hours. And he then um, took me for a walk um, on the beach. And we had uh, a nice walk, um, eventually um, ended back in his office. And um, he said again before um, I departed that um, I should consider a career in diplomacy for Thailand. After I said goodbye to him, I, I um, drove back and thought about it quite a lot um, for that one and a half hour drive back to Los Angeles. It was a Sunday and I remember that Monday I went into UCLA and I said, I'm changing my major to political science. 
And that started me on the path that eventually led me to diplomacy and um, to eventually become the foreign minister of Thailand. So when you're, that's a very interesting story, um, uh, especially, you know, given the um, face-to-face contact with President Nixon and obviously very, very inspirational for, uh, for you and your, um, and, and what caused you to embark on a diplomatic uh, career. Um, d- did you study at all his Asia policy in your, in I your did. career in college? I did. But, but before I go to that area, um, let me just say that um, we kept in touch. And uh, uh, he actually um, would send me his books, autographed, every time he um, finished a book, until um, he passed away, actually. And the following year, uh, my father um, visited me from, um, from London, and I took my father down to, to see him, too. So we had another meeting. Um, it didn't last as long. It was more um, business-like meeting, but um, it was nevertheless very memorable for, for our family. Um, and again, we, um, he, he, he never forgot. He would always send me um, his books. And regarding his policy um, towards Asia, of course it was um, uh, something that uh, was in parallel with what Thailand did. Thailand was firmly uh, on the um, uh, U.S. side um, uh, since, since the end of the Second World War. We, Thailand had been at the forefront in being anti-communist. We actually contributed troops um, to Vietnam. We were um, a member of the um, Southeast Asia Treaty um, Organization, CETO. And by the way, CETO um, was close to our family too because my father... At one point in his career was the Secretary General of CETO. Um, CETO, interestingly, um, with the name Southeast Asia Treaty Organization, only had two countries from Southeast Asia, Thailand and the Philippines. Um, after that, we, um, we ended up uh, opening up to China right after President Nixon's visit to China. So um, um, we were uh, moving along in the same directions, our two countries. And um, this year, incidentally, um, we are celebrating the 200th anniversary of um, Thailand-US relationship, starting in a sense of a first visit of an American citizen to Thailand uh, about 200 years ago. So this is another special year. Um, of course, it's 2018, and um, um, it, it does mark the 200-year anniversary of uh, a good friendship between countries so far apart, um, distance-wise. Right. What was it you talked to a little bit about um, the war in Indochina, the opening to uh, uh, the opening to China? Generally, what was the um U.S. relations with Thailand, Thailand during the during the Cold War. Um, specifically, there's a uh, in 1966 there is a treaty signed called the Treaty of uh, Amity. Um, could you could you 
kind of paint us the overall picture? Yes, yes. Um, um, the relationship uh, would go back, if we're talking about the um, Cold War, I would go back to um, the Manila Pact. The Manila Pact was the um, agreement that actually created CETO. And because of the Manila Pact, Thailand became officially a U.S. military ally. Um, with, with the um, Manila Pact, um, we actually um, worked very closely together with, with the U.S. on protecting the non-communist parts of Southeast Asia. Um, of course, um, we have heard a lot about NATO and Article 5, I believe, um, which says that an attack on one is an attack on all other members of NATO and all others would react accordingly, um, meaning that all others would use force to um, help the country under attack. With CETO, it was designed to be something a bit less clear. So we had a, an agreement under CETO um, that uh, an attack on one member of CETO would obligate all other members to consult together immediately. So that was a distinction. And as you can see, it's, it was a bit weaker than the commitment towards um, NATO. Um, and eventually, um, b because CETO itself uh, was um, uh, not really um, uh, containing more than just two members, two countries from Southeast Asia, that also became a little problematic. And it then um, ended itself. Um, and once CETO has uh, more or less decreased in its relevance, um, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, came into being. And that was a, a real homegrown organization um, initiated by the non-communist uh, nations in Southeast Asia. Um, the Treaty of Amity and Economic Relations um, between Thailand and the U.S. Um, came about in 1966, and that actually reflected the closeness of our two countries. Among other things, it, um, it gave U.S. companies, U.S. corporations, national treatment. Um, in Thailand. So U.S. corporations had a major advantage over um, other foreign corporations in Thailand. Other foreign corporations um, uh, would have to follow the, um, the international uh, rules for trade in what was known as the uh, most favored nations um, uh, policy or, or um, uh, practice. But the U.S. Um, uh, companies um, under the Treaty of Amity um, has what we would call national treatment, which meant that it had the same rights in many sectors of our economy as if it was a Thai company. 
So that was very special, and it also encouraged um, economic um, cooperation. Our guest today was Kantadi Supamankan, the former foreign minister of the Kingdom of Thailand. He talked about his acquaintance with President Nixon and U.S.-Thailand relations in the Cold War. Please check back for future podcasts at nixonfoundation.org or on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. This is Jonathan Mavroides signing off.